Hey everybody, welcome to Homeroom with Phil Valentine, a podcast hosted by me, comedian teacher Phil Valentine. Every week I'm going to sit down with a new guest and talk to them about their school experience, what it was like for them every day between the bells. Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure you rate, review, subscribe, follow, and share with a friend if you like the show. Welcome. It's been a couple weeks, but it's good to have you back. Uh, thank you for listening. This week's guest is Zilla Vodness. I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Zilla has a background in education. It's always fun uh, for me to just talk to guests who do have a background in teaching or in the classroom and to get, get a look at things uh, and pick their brain about this state of things. So thank you very much. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Which borough? Where where'd you clock in as a youth? Oh, oh, as a youth. Um, okay, so <laughs> I was uh, went to school in Ridgewood, Queens, uh, which is right out along the border of Bushwick. So my like, okay, yeah, my junior high school was in Ridgewood, Queens, and uh, went to high school. I went to a magnet school, so I went to LaGuardia. So I went to school right by uh, Lincoln Center. So my high school experience had a whole commute. It was in Manhattan. Okay, wow. Uh, So, yeah, I want to hear about the commute because that's something I think that's like, if if you're not in New York City, you don't understand. I didn't go to school in this city, but it's something I think about where, you know, what most kids have like a yellow school bus ride outside of the city. Like you're riding your ride to school is with like commuters and people hung over and the drunk from the night before like that is that's a hell of a ride in well in i mean it's even like if you have a job now i think people are starting to realize especially after we all had the opportunity for some people to work from home you start to realize right. that the commute really does make a break whatever <laughs> you know like <laughs> it's like this is in addition to so like doing like commuting back home or so I'll tell you really quickly what I would do is I'd get up every morning I would watch uh turn on um Good Day New York on Fox 5 and it it used to have the temperature and the time on it so I knew how to dress like it was a whole mission you know so yeah going from Ridgewood I'd have to take the L train from DeKalb um, all the way to 14th Street to transfer to the 1-9 train at the time. Uh, to wow, si- back when there was a 9. Yeah, to 66th Street. Um, and it, you know, depending on the weather, um, it kind of, I think a lot of people, like, you know, when you live close to your school, you can bang out your homework as soon as you get home. But we were just, like, right. worn out by the time we got yeah. home. <laughs> So, you know, it was an experience. That being said, I was afforded this incredible luxury because the commute was terrible, but I got to be a part of a program that was like heads and shoulders above. Like when I talked to people from my neighborhood, like, oh, what are you doing in high school? It was like night and day. So like it made the commute less bad. Yeah, you, you had your eyes on the prize. Oh, yeah. And we had I took I, at the time I was a, a graphic artist and uh, we had imagine a high school where three to four periods a day is what you love. So three to four periods a yeah. day of art. <laughs> you know, it's just like, 
it, it, that, but the, God, the fact that that is alternative is just like wild, right? Doesn't that just seem like so much more sensible in, in terms of like uh, creating a system or, that's going to make kids successful? Yes. And I feel like our, every one of the other disciplines, our math teachers, our English our English teachers, they kind of came harder at us because they were like, no, no, you get to like enjoy all this other stuff. Yes. You need to be good at all of this. So yeah, it was an interesting dynamic, um, definitely. And also it was what was probably the best part about it. And I know this is an issue that's come up now in politics in New York. Um, what was so dope was like, so I grew up surrounded by kids from Ridgewood and Bushwick. And then I get thrown into this high school and it's people from the five boroughs and we all are friends and we all are like hanging out together. And it just was kind of like in the way that college is eye opening for people. High school kind of was a little bit of a precursor because it was like you met so many people from different walks of life. Right. Just because you were going to the school that was you had to take a test to get in. So it was kind of like, yeah, you know. I, I I'm embarrassed to say this as a teacher, but I like hardly know what a magnet school is. So can you just tell me what exact like a magnet school is? I didn't realize it was something you need to take a test for. I'm gathering that it has. I know it has like it's a magnet for something, right? So it sounds like yours is the art. Is that yes? Is that correct? So or? I went to the school. Uh, LaGuardia High School is famously known as the school from fame. Um, but I didn't do any of the in fame. They didn't have a bitch painting. You know what I mean? So like, it's not. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so whenever I would tell people like, oh, I go to the fame school, they'd be like, oh, you sing? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <Get off." laughs> like, oh, you play music? Nah, not that either. But um, so. <laughs> essentially initially you know how like hunter college has this great high school program my parents didn't want me to go to art school necessarily they wanted me to get into one of the stand like one of the specialized high schools they wanted me to go to like you know uh, stuyvesant there was no way but they want you know they they kind of had these high hopes for me to be more academic and i had an art teacher in junior high school who was like i think you have a talent like you know more than anything, looking back, like when I became a teacher, I realized that that teacher, Miss Gelbert, was less concerned with me being this fantastic artist and more right. concerned with removing me from a friend group that I don't think would have led to as many opportunities. You know, like, wow, okay. Yeah. So, like, I feel like she was like, take this test because. I need to get you out of here. Yes. Like, right. Like, I don't know if this is it, but the, where you are isn't it yes, kind of thing. Because in junior high school, I will describe it this way. Um, I was definitely um, like the uh, kid who <sighs> I was not a leader yet. I was definitely more of a, okay. f- a follower. Right. As a junior high teacher, you know, like that, there are some kids who can, it it seems like they can hypnotize the class. And there are some kids who, you know, who can jump in on that, who who watch the watch sway back and forth. I was a very charismatic second fiddle. And (laughs) like like my teacher was like, no, 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 no. Like you need to go do your own thing. Like right now you're playing second fiddle. Like I was always the most popular girl's bestie and oh okay so like okay if we're talking euphoria i would be cat right so i i wouldn't have been maddie 
I wouldn't have been Cassie. I wouldn't have been Rue. I would have been Cat. Like off to the, you know what I mean. So like this teacher yes, sees yes. me and it's just exactly. like, I kind of feel like you might need to strike out on your own. And so right. um, I did. And so I, uh, you take a test, and the test is, at the time. I think it's changed quite a bit. And I, as I said, I know there's um, a big push to move away from standardized testing or like um, mm -hmm. this testing methodology to get into these. You're like these schools, right? Because you're absolutely right. right. Every student should be afforded these opportunities, right? Right. But we had to take like a hardcore art test. And what it was, was we all went into, I remember there was a big blizzard in the city. Um, I want to say it was like 1996. Yeah, because I graduated in 2000. So the the winter before that school year starts, uh, they they mm -hmm. made us wait outside. We go inside of the building. They give us a pamphlet and like essentially it said, um, I want you to imagine a suitcase on a bed and draw what's inside. Okay. And this was like, to me, I'm like, what? You know? It's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? I'm, I'm captivated by this right now. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and what that was like the precursor to is, and you had to have a portfolio, you know, so you show your portfolio, but they also just put you like in the, in the moment. They're like, draw this, you know? Right. Um, the coolest part is throughout high school, all four years, they would give us these mm -hmm. prompts. And if there was 30 kids in a class, each and every person would have a different painting and or drawing and or that was like drastically different from the yeah. other. So that was like the right. cool part about it. It's like because the brain works differently for everybody, you know? Sure. Yeah. But yeah, so I took that test yeah. and then I was in a little bit over my head because they had uh, scholarships uh for art supplies but they you know when we started first you, you know you get there in september they give you a list it's like 125 dollars worth of art supplies oh okay yeah and you yeah. you know you're expected to buy everything and bring it back in in order to complete your studies and right yeah so the the socioeconomic uh differences kind of come to the forefront you know right right yeah the uh, like the assumption that everybody's going to show up with this burden, burden, you know. Yes, and l like a huge goal of mine is like you know if I'm ever fortunate to where I'm in a place where I've made some money, um, I would love to. You know, they used to have this thing at my high school called Art Angels, and what it was was just like people had gone to the school who were adults and were mm -hmm. you know like hey I'll I'll buy all your supplies because I think right. you know. There's a lot of students, and I think this also happens in college as well. There's a lot of students, right. oh, yeah. you know, that just don't have the means. Right. I mean, I think especially in college when you get there and it's like $300 textbook and, you know, like all those things you need to have or just you haven't had to think of in school uh, up to that point or, you know. No, and then and it's crazy. Yeah, adding. and they hit you with the you could resell it next semester. Next semester, they're like ten dollars. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, this is the old edition. What are you doing with this? <laughs> uh, the biggest racket in the world, man. <laughs> Textbooks. Yeah, you're not kidding. <laughs> oh my. Um. So you you take this test to get into Stuyvesant and uh, sorry, not Stuyvesant into LaGuardia. Yeah, and. Uh, let me ask, because you're saying like you had this teacher that that you saw something that you you should get out of. 
what was it that you were in in junior high that you should get out of? Were you like, uh, what was junior high Zilla like? Oh, so <laughs> junior high Zilla was like, not physically, not literally, metaphorically, like shoes tied together. Like I was a mess. <laughs> like, okay. Like I was funny, you know, and I was, um, charismatic and I'm I'm um I always I like I like I'm full of ideas and I've always, like even then mm. I was full of ideas and I like to write and I like to draw but the neighborhood that I came up in wasn't necessarily like the poorest the mm. biggest issue was I knew so many young girls who got pregnant like my, okay. I, in junior high school, and my uh, second closest friend uh, couldn't walk in graduation because she was already showing. And that's in eighth grade. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Holy shoot. So I think the concern that my teacher at the time had, and I didn't realize until much later... Because I was late to the party on feminism, but, like, she was, like, a hardcore feminist. She was, like, you Uh know, like, super independent. And I think she just had that hope for me and Mm -hmm. um, knew that it... What did she teach you? She she was my art teacher. And I'll give you an example of, like, something that stood with me, like, forever. And when I became a teacher, it was something I applied. And this is going to sound a little crazy, but I'll go. Um... I was one of the few students who would always offer to help. This has been like my MO since I was really young. Like, um, even in like third or fourth grade, I remember like I got a commendation for like, I saw someone had torn something down from a bulletin board and like just reflexively like put it back up. And I guess the teacher was watching. So like they always kind of um, had this idea of me as like, and it's still to like to now where it's like if something's on the floor, like I just care very deeply about like the environment and like um, and not yeah. like like just like an actual environment, like a room. Like I, I think kids deserve like neat spaces and stuff like that. So, right. Um, this you keep a tidy classroom. I keep a tidy classroom. And also I'm like, what, get along gang style. Like I'm, I'm very much like from the 80s where it's like, we can do it together. You know, like that Goonie yeah. shit, you know? So it's like, <laughs> so um, like I, this teacher sees this in me and she asked for volunteers and she essentially was just like, and this is before, you know, and rightfully so, they have like very specific language and things for after school now. Like back in the day, it'd be like, hey, you want to stay after school? And be like, all right, yeah. So (laughs) she she was like, I stay in grade papers and me and my best friend, Diana Santiago, she offered to us like, hey, you girls are really good at art. Like if you want to stay after and like help clean up. And some days uh, Diana would be there, some days she wouldn't. And it just felt, like so special to be in the school like when no one else was there and we got to use supplies and as long as we helped out we cleaned wiped down all the tables stuff like that yeah and i had a very similar experience yeah so one time she had a giant vat of red paint and phil i couldn't tell you what entered my seventh grade mind because i had her for two years (laughs) but it's after school no one's in the classroom and I stuck my entire hand and arm up until the elbow in this 
vat of red paint. Oh, my God. And she walks into the room and she's like, what are you doing? And I didn't even know what to say. <laughs> and Yo, she must have thought you were stoned. No. So, yeah, but that wasn't I, I didn't do that until college. Truly. I was like straight, <laughs> like, str- like straight arrow, like, woo, like, you know. So oh she looks at me and I freak out because I'm like, what am I doing? And she like launches into this, you know, once again, like I, I didn't go to the most like affluent school so she's just like right she goes you know that's a waste of paint do you know how hard like i have to ask for permission to buy that paint and that's all the red paint we're gonna have for the year and whatever and whatnot so she's like why did you do it and i looked at her and i'm like blubbering crying and i was like it just looked so cool and i wanted to know how it felt (laughs) and (laughs) and she looked at me and I think that was when like we finally understood each other because she kind of laughed and was like, don't ever do anything like that again. I understand <laughs> why you did it, but don't ever do Yo. anything like that again. And years later with students, I would have similar things. It wasn't necessarily like sticking your whole hand in red paint, but like sometimes you'll just watch a kid accidentally break something almost as if they intended to and it's because they're like right. no miss i just want to see if i could bend it you know like it's just yeah yes <laughs> yes like exploring i, yes. I don't want to call it like destructive exploration but yes. it's like finding the limits the hard way you know yes and and also like now you have your your arm is pink for the rest of the week because you yeah, stuck your yeah, whole that's arm not, We're in. not wiping that off in the art sink. Yes. <laughs> so like, but that was a really incredible lesson because I think about any, you know, not all teachers, but there are definitely teacher personality types who would have just oh. reacted by like freaking out and never allowing me in the classroom again. Definitely. There's really, I've come to realize in my time as a teacher, there's only about seven teacher personality types. And I would say five of them, five of them would never not let you near paint again. One of them would be apathetic and the other one would, would do what your teacher did. Yes. Let's, so let's see what the teacher personality types are. Cause there really is only about seven. There's, there is, uh, the kid, the teacher who, is hell-bent on giving their kids, like, the same school experience they had. I'm, I'm coming at this from an elementary point of view. Okay. I, I'm into um, this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that can come in a couple different ways. That can come in the, like, kids today have no idea. And it can also come in, like, the, you know, too nostalgic about their time kind of thing. Um, all right. So there's there's that teacher. There's the... Um, psychotic teacher. I I can think of a couple <laughs> that I have seen from both ends. And you know what's funny? All of these that we're about to name, when you're a kid, you don't realize it. But when you look back on it or when you work with them, you're like, oh, wow, this is like, a, like a, this person has relationship issues that they're not dealing with and they're coming into the classroom and just like hauling off. Oh, absolutely. There's at least you've at least had whether in I mean, you've definitely had when you may not have been uh, adept at 
picking up on it like when you was a kid but like when you get to high school there's definitely like uh you know don't forget your homework maybe Sharon will forgive me like from your history yeah. teacher <laughs> and, yes. and you're like what the frick dude like why are you telling us like like hey, yo. <laughs> so there's definitely like people who like bring the like personal to the school building where it's like that has no place like this is one thing i firmly believe uh like you you really can't like the the young people the the students that you teach they deserve the a environment that's best for learning and that's yes yeah like yeah it doesn't matter if and like that means creating the environment yes. not bringing yes. your home environment into it you know no because their home environments are going to call the shots so you got to like navigate yes. through that you know yeah uh hold on so i, I just came up with a, another type is the the teacher who needs to be cool like on the kids level you know not like a cool teacher but like you know, has to has to wear whatever like wear the clothes and like shows up just a little too much in dressed like a eighth grader. You know, a fool's errand if there ever was one. You know, <laughs> let me tell you something. Um, <laughs> when I was a coach, uh, <laughs> when I was a coach, I had a. A, a bunch of different wonderful people that I coached. So after a while, I, right. I was a teaching coach. But I remember one, like, one first-year uh, teacher who was fantastic. He was a great dude. But he had, like, yeah. he had a fresh pair of Yeezys and no lesson plan. And you just, like... <laughs> <laughs> and, like, the kids are like, oh, this is great. And you're like, it's decidedly not great. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like you're not giving what you need to, you know? You... <laughs> Um, uh, let's see what's another what's another there's like the the mom there's always like a mom or too motherly to the kids there's always too motherly um the one the one comparison that i can make to uh, a lot of personalities that i've encountered and people who work in just education in general is um when you're a kid and you play store there's always one kid who won't let go of the register. They will never let nobody else yes. be the one that yes. runs the store. They'll never, they're always like, it's just, it's not in there. And those people go on sometimes to like run a classroom with an iron fist. And it's like, no, yes. like this, like, I, I feel like I want to tell those people like, yo, you should have gotten into politics. Like, yo, I don't know what to tell. Right. Like you should have gone after, but they like insert they almost like apply, they become teachers so that they can micromanage a small group of people. And it's just like, no, nah, that's not really yes. why you should be teaching. Right. It's not what you should be doing, but it's like the easiest way to like just accomplish that. Yes. And also it, it gives them like feelings of, um, um, so when I worked with young adults who were either on the autism spectrum and, or, um, had emotional disturbance and like mm -hmm. I had worked with Jen Ed Pryor, but every once in a while, I'd either meet a teacher or an assistant teacher who'd be like, it's my way or the highway. Or like, if yes. they don't respect me and I'm like, wait a minute, no. Like, what are you, like you're missing. And also, that's not going to happen. It'll happen maybe for a couple of days and trick you into a false sense of security. But when the kids right. 
pull one on you, it'll be catastrophic because you would have thought the whole time you was in control. You're really not. It's like right there. Yes, you oh you're God, you so are true. leading. Yes, but right. like you have to de-escalate. Yes, but like sometimes like the people put their like I put my foot down. This is the rule in my class. They're like, and you're just like, why? Like yes. It it, it, what are you getting out of this? But you just hit the nail on the head, like controlling a small group of people. Yeah, it's like they, uh, they, they're the boss. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like you, you win. You know, I, I teach sixth grade. It's like you, you win. We're also twice the size of these people. Everybody else here. So. Oh my God! You we, teach sixth grade. So I used to teach yeah. seven through twelve. Okay. And six, like it was six, seven, and eight is is tough because you have to try and think of yourself at that time, and you have such a bizarre sense of self in junior high school. Yes. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, you do. I was just talking about this yesterday with my girlfriend. Just like the way I thought in sixth grade versus the way I see my kids in sixth grade, and it's like. I don't know. These don't, I don't think these, I hope these don't match up. <laughs> oh yeah. No. And also um, like the one thing that I think is like severely lacking and I'd hate to say federally mandate anything anymore because like we all know how that works out. But one thing that I think is like super tragic is like because of certain puritanical views in, in, in particular states the mm -hmm. the government doesn't really have an idea or like the country on how to teach like um, sex ed and uh, mindfulness right. and or like self-care or even like hygiene to people yes. at that age. So like it is, dude, it is a lot. And like you are leaving them out there without a lifesaver. They are literally in an ocean of so many emotions. <laughs> and like you, you're so right. Like even so I'm in a position where me and the other sixth grade teacher, uh, you know, she's a, a woman. And so, you know, once in a while, we'll split up the boys and girls and have a, you know, I can say you shit about your hygiene in here that won't be embarrassing and stuff. But it's also like there's a line because I'm not like a sex ed teacher or anything. And, uh, you know. You don't want to be the teacher that's having informal conversations like that with your kids. So you're so right. Like that is just hanging kids out to dry. Oh, absolutely. Like we know you're doing it, but we're not helping you through the process. Oh, yes. And what's funny is that once when I was a teacher, a student of mine, and this is another thing that I think eventually they'll need to acknowledge. It's like, so if... And th this is all going to be like, cover your ears, la, la, la. But you have to consider this because as teachers, you do. If a kid sends another kid a mildly even dirty and or like nude picture, they are now sharing child pornography by the yes. law. <laughs> so, yes. so I had a student who had like a girl sent him a picture and he, sh he shared it with all his homeboys. And, you know, of course, now he's in a heap of trouble and his parents right. came in and they were like, OK, like, we're so glad with how you handled it. We just have one favor to ask if you could talk to him about sharing these types of pictures. And also he looks at porn a little bit too much. And I said, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> are, you, wait, are you telling me, me, me? I said, you want me to sit in a classroom 
alone with this student and talk about porn there's no way man like no yeah there is not happening it's not happening because i will tell you you want me to parent your child yes and also i if i walked by a classroom and saw me (laughs) talking to a student about porn i'm a mandated reporter i'm reporting my ass (laughs) like (laughs) like, this is so inappropriate but yeah but i do think though like because so much of sexuality and hygiene and all those things are based in science, a lot of parents, like parents, there are parents who have that talk with their kids, but there are parents who right. are expecting that their science teacher or a teacher is doing it. And that's yes. not the case. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, you know, they got health like later down the line, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely lacking and it's definitely leaving kids high and dry when they it when the, it's like get in their brain before before their body gets in their brain you know start planting the seed absolutely especially because i you know i knew they were bad but like when you hear those like statistics about how much pornography like hardcore pornography kids are seeing <laughs> at a young age like it's it's like these these kids are watching things and they don't even know the parts of the body that are being engaged and are used. Yes. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, it's, oh it's kind of a uh, cart before the horse, you know, like it's, it's a hundred percent. It's a mess right now. So that was um, something that I struggled with. Um, but you know, I, I also, like you said, you team up with another teacher and you try to approach those topics, but I just feel like to expect that a, a classroom teacher sh- I feel like there should be a mandated like sex ed teacher uh, or like health teacher across all grades. Right. You know? Yeah. That just is available and, and has the information <laughs> that it's necessary. <laughs> yes. You know, that with the story you just shared reminded me of a story that uh, I encountered as, as a, a, as a teacher a few years ago. Um, I didn't teach this class, but some middle school kids went on a trip, like a bus trip somewhere. Uh you know, they had like the coach bus. It was a three hour ride for like Boston or DC or something like that. And um and two kids hooked up and a third kid like filmed it. <sighs> and uh the kid who filmed it got into a lot of trouble because he sent it out and like you just said, now he's distributing porn. Yeah, child porn. Yeah, child porn. You know, these are like middle school kids. So it's just like a whole mess of a situation. And that's the thing that kids, you, I, I'm sure you feel the same. I'm so glad that I don't, I didn't go to school under like these circumstances. Not that I was ever hooking up in the back of a bus, but just I didn't have a friggin' friend filming everything. You know, like I sucked at skateboarding. I'm glad I didn't have friends filming that to remind me. Towards the end of my um, like teaching job in Brooklyn before I transferred, I was the uh, like the computer lab teacher. And the mm. one thing I would constantly drill in them is the internet is forever. And yes. that was like, it was like the mantra. It's like, why would you post something? The internet is forever in that, or make sure that that's something you want posted. And I think it speaks to... Um, when you're in high school and junior high, you don't see long game. Like, you don't no. see the future at all. What you see is, this girl said no when I asked her to the dance. My life is over. You know, like, so right. Right. I see it, like, in short term. So, like, doing things like recording your friends on the bus, hooking up, at the time is, you know, 
it's seems like the right idea and it's funny you know occasionally you'll get like blessed with a really savvy or like a uber driver who actually has like is from another country and has like a psychology degree and one time i'm in an uber this lady she asked me what i did and i was telling her at the time i was going crazy phil because like my kids were just making all these bad decisions i was teaching high school i think it was maybe my third or fourth year and this russian woman just breaks it down for me and she's like well you know, between this age and this age, they have zero risk assessment. And I said, what? And she's like, no, like your kids have no, their brain is not developed enough yet to right. like see risk, like, you know, assess risk. Damn. So you're, you have to approach them always with like how you have to teach them how to assess that there is a huge risk that is not worth you know, it's not worth taking. And it right. changed like, cause it, instead they would just drive me crazy. And I'd be like, why would you ever think that was a good idea? And then I'm like, no, change your language. It's like, okay, what is the outcome of this? How do we get ahead of it? Like when they would make a mistake, it's like, oh. what are we going to do to fix this? To try to help okay. them kind of come to that conclusion. Because yes, kids do wacky things. And then they don't realize that it's, you know, in this case, the internet, once again, it's forever. You know, it could be. It's forever, right? It's like, it was scary enough for us when we were kids thinking this could be a, a microfiche. Oh, yes. <laughs> God forbid someone go to the library and put in all the time to go look it up. <laughs> this local newspaper. Yo, absolutely. But yeah, I, it's forever, and it, I mean... If it gets hit, it gets hit. Like, you can go viral for the thing you, the TikTok dance you do, but you might also go viral for some dumb shit you do that you don't want to go viral for. So, thing, or somebody else doesn't want it to go viral. The thing that's been driving me nuts lately now that I, so I'm, I'm going back, I'm actually like returning to working in education, but I took a break. And like, the thing that the whole oh. time I've been on break had that's been driving me nuts is, um, the popularity of fights on world star and TikTok because yeah, yeah. this um there when you're in when you're there in the room it is not funny entertaining cool at all at right. all it is heartbreaking it is terrible so much right. paperwork you pull apart two kids that are crying at the end of it you know or like you ever hear yeah i'm sure you've been in the room where you hear a punch that silences a room you know absolutely and you also you know unfortunately because of the nature of um certain personality types like i know we did the teacher person Mm -hmm. personality types um it is, you know, I I once read a book called the sociopath next door, which was about like how like sociopathy mathematically, there's a good chance, you know, a sociopath, you know? And like, if you, you know, if you teach long enough every once in a while, you'll get that one student where you're like, no, this either because of a very um, terse or like intense domestic upbringing or chemically they're, they have yeah. no love for anyone but themselves. And yeah. so what I always think of is they cut these videos to sh- not show the what pushed these people over, what 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 was the catalyst, you know? Right. And sometimes you have people like, I once had a student who was really cool. He was really good looking. He was really athletic. Um, and he took, like, he if he would have started a cult, 
he'd have had it, you know. But yes. when he didn't like a student, he would make their every like waking moment, every moment of the day terrible. And yes. sometimes when you're a teacher, you know, you can, yeah, write them up, talk to the parents, but your hands are tied after a certain t- and to see yes. one of those kids. Oh my God, I'm going through this. Yes, to see one of those kids who's getting pushed around finally break and then get into trouble for throwing the first punch. Oh my God, <laughs> you are singing my song right now. <laughs> it's terrible. It's one of the hardest parts of teaching. It's awful. Yes. Oh, it's like, no, I know what the right thing was. And I, I there's been times where I've had kids get suspended. This year, this time I had kids get suspended. And when I saw the parents, like, uh, for that exact situation you just said, kid can, can hypnotize the class, you know, just makes this other kid's life hell. One day he snaps and cracks them. And, uh, you know, the good kid got two days. What a message to send. And, uh, and I said to the parents, and I, said, I, I just want you to know that I think he did the right thing. Like, he was standing up for what? For what was right, you know, like I don't, or I might not say the right thing, but I said I'm, I'm not upset with him for what he did. It it's just heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking, and also, um, there the most unfortunate part is that. So I'll give you an example, and I'll talk about something that is personal to me, but I'm like good with talking about this because I think it's an important lesson. I had a student mm-hmm. who was an incredible. Um, bully. They were in, like incredibly savvy. They were incredibly charming, and they had the ability to win whenever they wanted to turn the tide against this yeah. whoever it was that they didn't like for the day. They could, and they even got some staff on board, which tripped me out because I'd never seen that. Yeah, before. Oh my god! Where it's like the student would show up with. Um, snacks and I'd be like oh where'd you get that and they would say a teacher's name and I'd be like what and okay so I had this experience with the student and um they were they like they it was escalating escalating and we had a meeting and their uh the counselor was there their social worker was there and we talked to the student and the student says well what if I told you all that I don't give a shit and I'm going to do whatever I want because I was uh, sexually abused. And so that's how I take out my rage. And I looked at the student. I said, so does this mean that I can hit you? And the student looks at me and says, what? And the counselor was like, what? And I said, because I was sexually abused when I was about your age. So what is this weird transaction that you're like, do you know what I mean? Like, right. You went through something. This experience. Yes. Like this is an invalid and like almost like cowardly excuse because Mm -hmm. like if we want to work through what you went through, I'm all for it. But you taking it out and saying, well, my life is terrible or my life was terrible at one point. So now I get to play that power, like have that power over other people is it's not an excuse. And I think sometimes what can happen in situations like this where it's like, um, you know, oh, well, you have to understand. You have to understand that, that, that this student's been through a lot. Yes, okay, we can, and we can acknowledge that. But rather than giving all this time to excusing their behavior, let me try to help them move past this thing that happened to them. Yes. Because right now all they're doing is like, 
it's like the cycle of abuse and violence just continues and continues and right, continues. Right. Yeah. So sometimes that would frustrate me with the counselors because they'd be like, well, you don't understand their living situation. And I was like, okay, well, so when I said that, I remember the counselor afterwards was like, that was intense. Are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm fine. But I'm trying to prove a point to you, which is like, you, yes. you can live in this place forever and say, this is where I make all my decisions or you can move forward. But I definitely am not going to let you pick on people smaller, less able than you because you had a, a rough patch or you're going through some rough stuff. There's just no way. That's not how this is going right. to play out. And, and what you're saying is so true. And what's so maddening about that is the buck stops at school. Like maybe that kid can pull off getting away with that or, you know, similar stories can pull off getting away with that until high school through high school. But any job you try to get later, any, you know, apartment, whatever it is, situation you're in, you're going to get fired. They're going to say, okay, I'm sorry, but you can't work here if you're going to attack every coworker or every other tenant, you know, like absolutely that, that does not do a service to preparing kids for the real world. No. And I think the number one thing that I would try to tell, uh, you know, like people and, and parents and, you know, I know I don't have kids, but cumulatively, like in the 10 years that I've been teaching and working in education, and I know there'll be right. more, you know, you're looking at like, you know, if you have a, a, at one point I was the cluster teacher. So you're talking about like easily over a thousand students that I've engaged with, worked with, right? you know, and when you have to be very... I'm not a big, um, like, I'm not really big on punishing young people because I, it's very hard to see the the benefits. You got to be very savvy about how you seek to make a student think about what they've done because you can punish them and they won't think about what they did at all. They'll never grow. They'll never. So true. Yeah. Like, so you kept them from lunch. Cool. Now they're just extra mad, you know, like. But, yeah. Yeah. And your day, your afternoon's going to suck. Yes. Right. So. But if you do not, unfortunately, especially when you're working in certain uh, areas or even like where I grew up, if you do not let a student know that there are consequences, a lot of times I can tell you like, you know, of course, like I have experienced where a young person so, um, trashing a classroom, like them saying, well, you have to understand this, this young adult like doesn't have the management skills. And I'm like, okay, but this young adult is going to go out into the world and just go to jail immediately. Right, right, right. What are we doing to build the management skills? Yes. And I know that's not always possible. And I know sometimes it involves something like medicine or therapeutic interventions, right. but we did it's have a process. It's not a switch, you know? Yes. And, but we did have a student who was like horrified when they, trashed a store on a weekend like they went into a store they felt that the person uh spoke to them kind of sideways and they like knocked a bunch of things down and they were like horrified when they got arrested because they were like wait a minute like they've been doing right. that for years in the school yeah system. i did it in school and i i went and you know got to go for a walk around the building with the ap and then returned to class and apologize and maybe help clean up. It's like, no, no, that's not how that right. works in the real world. So it's tricky right. because, you know, uh, it's you got to make sure that the and more than anything, it's like it's not just a punishment. It's a discussion. And that's the thing mm. that I think people 
don't realize, like one of the hardest parts about being a teacher is the um, work-life balance is so skewed. You are working all the time. You are thinking about your kids almost all the time. Yeah, there's weekends. Yeah, there's summer. Y'all love to point out that we get summer off. (laughs) But when it's, I have answered the phone and (laughs) gotten a, yo, miss, I'm in jail. You know, like I have, I have answered the phone and gotten, I don't know where my young adult is. Do you? Right. You know, like, like middle of the night and Thankfully, the young adult who called me, who is my my definite like the high mark of like put me through the ringer, mm-hmm. evened out, came back to see me as an adult and thanked me. And it was like a crowning achievement of my job. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love hearing that. Yeah. No, they came back. They're like, oh, I just had a kid. And I realized that you were really patient. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, cool. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, I kind of didn't need to know that you were having a kid so young, but we good. You know, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> now I'm a little more worried, but all right. You yeah. know, <laughs> there are case in point to be for with, uh, with what we could be teaching. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I just, I'm going to jump back to something three conversations ago, but we, you just mentioned it again before was the, uh, all the different teachers, Types of teachers. Um, one thing that came, comes to mind is just something I've said. I don't. You 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 mentioned before about summers. Like people love bringing summers up, and I don't think there's teachers who start teaching because of summer. But I think there's teachers who keep teaching because of summer. So this the teacher. I always I call these pension people. Let me <laughs> let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I'm gonna say it right now. <laughs> teachers need to get paid more. The school mm-hmm. system. Um, you know, I know when people hear the word defund, they're horrified, but I want everyone to know right now that in every state in this country, they defunded education when COVID happened and we have not gotten the money back. And I don't know when we will get the money back. So when you're looking at these billionaires going to Mars, I want you to understand (laughs) that they are going to Mars on Money that belongs in schools, right? Okay, but I digress. Pension people. Here's the thing. Eventually, you can find them. They're like pod people. Like, they die a little bit on the inside. There's no way. The pension, yes, great. We have an awesome union, yes. Woo! Uh, The bennies, yes. But most of the teachers I know have full medical insurance, never get to go to the doctor because they don't have the time. (laughs) Yeah, so true. It's like you better get sick on one of your breaks. Yes, yes. And you better, oh, you want us to go on vacation? Nah, you better see the dentist on your break. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> it's like it, is, it is a lot. It is a lot. The time, it yeah. is so hard, um, you know, and people who do it and love it, absolutely, like I commend them. But there are people who um, they show up every day, they leave, they show up right at eight, they leave right at three and they love their pension and their de- summer's off. Those are, that's a different breed. Like when you, right. one of the things that really bothers me and this is such a stupid thing to get, I hate the like comedic trope of shitty teacher because I feel like it's really prevalent and I hate mm-hmm. every time I hear someone say those who can't teach, that might yes. be... At once in a while, 
sure. But most teachers, most people I know who are educators, they they have to love it. It's the only way. They yeah. have to either love it or feel like teaching is can be activism. It can be the way that you give back to mm. the world. And if you're yeah. doing it from that angle where, yeah, it's a job, but it's also like a calling, it's wonderful, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, 100%, right? It's like, it is, I love how you said that, like it, it, activism where it's like definitely the thing where you have the most direct line to the most people over your, you know, over your the course of your career. Yes, and like I, when I was a teaching coach, oh my God, so I came in second. The second to last year, the the year before I stopped teaching, it was because I came in second place uh, for the city in the DOE for District 75. So in special education, I came in second place. Mm -hmm. And it was a what lot. What do you mean you came in second place? Meaning like, like I was the second best special ed teacher by their metric. Like I got the Big Apple wow. Awards, which is like, okay, yeah, right? And... They let me speak at the new teachers meeting. So like in June, they, they do like a new teachers luncheon for the people who's the first year. And at this time, I had already started doing comedy. So I wrote a set because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I was like, yo, they giving me time. What? You know, the chancellor's yeah. here. Let's do it. You know? Um, <laughs> so the, the only analogy I could come up with is like that I thought that went across all grade levels. Cause you know, you're speaking to people across grade levels, special right. ed, not special ed. Is that, right. Yeah. So I looked at the group that they had um, and I didn't make it to the gala cause second place, you know, I didn't get the, the money second place uh, cause it's a prize, a cash prize for your classroom. And I looked no at, kidding. yeah. And I looked at them and I said, I want you to understand that we are pretty much the foreman at a good people factory. And you really need to watch the floor because the better you do your job, the more you put like good citizens, good, thoughtful, moral people. That is the end game, right? Like mm. you, it's not even about high scores. Yes, it is because mm -hmm. that's what they hold over our head. The guys, oh my God, is crazy. But right. what you should be really doing is trying. Yes. Sc test scores. Yes. L literacy scores. Yeah. Right. But also. Right. Right. Would they stop and help a classmate if, like, they dropped their bag? Would they, um, if someone spills something, they'd be like, oh, let me get you some, you know, tissues. Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's... It, right. And that was what I saw as activism. Which like is like contributing you, members of society. Yes. You know what? You, you're, yeah. it's, it, it's devoid of, and what, like when we say activism listeners, we're not saying, like, you put your politics in. No, no, no. It's, like, basic, right. basic, be good. Care about... Yes things um care you know take yes. part in things connect with people yes and be a part of your community what like you know whether that's your classroom your family but like don't be a leech on it be be a, a, a stronghold of it you know because you're always going to get this one student like oh and maybe you'll get one or two who's like i don't care oh i don't care yeah I, yep. I don't have to do it doesn't matter oh well that's not mine and the, if you can really break that kid out of that cycle by the end of the year, which I've done it. Not always, not a hundred percent across the board, but like 90% right. of the time um, you can, you help a person just like kind of evolve a little bit. And sometimes, yo, yes. one of the illest things a student ever told me, a student had like 
just a terrible manner of speaking to everyone whenever they were upset, mm-hmm. like across the board. It didn't matter if you got along with them when they were triggered or upset. It was like they didn't pay anybody dust. It was like they didn't respect anyone. And one day mm-hmm. I just this was like years later, because when you're first teaching, you do you try all the things and then you realize this hacks and this like so yeah. I maintain like this girl this like person is just yelling, yelling, yelling. And I stayed yeah. like this and I said, I would love to hear what you're gonna say. I need you to meet me here. You're up here. I need you to lower your voice and meet me here. And I just kept repeating it. And this person was getting more and more upset, the student. And then finally they looked at me and I'm not even kidding. It was so like bald face like truth looks at me and goes the reason I am talking to you in this way like screaming their head off is because this is the way we fucking talk to each other at home and I was like oh my god Mm. and like that is something you need to consider like when a when a student in the back of the class is like selfish or rude or Oh man, sometimes they hit you with a racism. You're like, who taught you that? You're like, yeah. what? You don't like what? You know, it's it's home. So you're supposed to give them this classroom environment that represents like the rest of the world. Hey, right. you can break out of whatever it is you're you're at home. We can do it differently here. We can do it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I say I've said on here before, like like school is the last bastion of a common experience. You know, it's the only time in your life you're with like a whole group of people all doing the same thing in the same setting and like remote education totally fucked that up. But it's like, it's, it is just like community junior. And it's like, you know, I I just, what you're saying rings so true to me. Just like, will you pick up uh, whatever spilled? Will you get the tissues? Whatever it is like, um, you have the opportunity to create that in a classroom because you're spending more time with your classmates than you are with some of the people you live with, right? You're, those kids are together seven hours a day. Like they don't get an hour break like we do, at least in an elementary setting, right? So um, it's like, a, it is an interesting thing because what you just said, sometimes you see that happening where it's like home is bleeding into the classroom and you're like, you want the classroom to kind of uh, assert its own influence but, you know, it, it, that's like can be its own battle. Sometimes you'll see a parent come in and talk to a kid and you're like, oh, now I get now I get oh, now I get why. I that. Absolutely. And it was like, you know, those memes where the like glasses drop down <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the the like the earliest time that I like politely just told someone it's like, you know, I was getting prefaced for uh, or I, like this this students' parents came to see me before they even brought him to the school. And they were trying to, like, preface the arrival by being like, they're going to drive you crazy. They're going to make you blue in the face. They're never going to listen to you. You're going to spend all of your day arguing. And I looked at this person, and I was like, oh, I'm not in the business of arguing with young adults. Yeah, and, like, yeah. and like my like co-teacher just was like whoa that was like you just like let them know and it was just like, like after me and the student the student struggled yes but no like you we're not gonna argue that we don't you do that here right. yeah we don't right. what are you doing what do you mean like you know and i think i the one thing i will say 
that I, and I have to say in defense of, um, you know, a lot of times they talk about statistics um, for like parent teacher conference. And I'm going to tell you mm-hmm. exactly why um, in what is considered statistically impoverished areas, there's bad parent teacher conference because those people are not getting paid a living wage and they have to have two jobs. So I never took it out on a parent who was hard to get a hold of. Right. Uh, Like I understood when, when, you know what I mean? Like life is happening. Yeah. Yes. So when, so back to your point about how we spend, you know, if you're a classroom teacher and you're spending like five hours a day with a certain young adult, save for lunch and gym and whatever other transitional periods, there is a good chance you might be spending more um, talking time, chatting time, yes. engagement time with them than their parents. And that right. is something that you, it's like with great power comes great responsibility. You know, you're, yeah. you're setting oh, wow. the standard, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, oh, I love that you just put it that way. With great power comes great responsibility. Like you might know these kids, the music they listen to or whatever movie they like and, People at home might not even know that for them, you know? So it is like, I don't know. It's, I used it's to, a trip how much you, you, get, you get out of a kid. I used to give them a Google form, like at the start of the year. And this is like when I had already been teaching for a minute. Nobody starts out good, by the way. So if you're a first-year <laughs> teacher, don't worry, baby. It's going to get better. Um, <laughs> but I used to give, like, you know... Um, Every semester, we would redo the Google form. So it's like, what are you listening to? What movie, you know, what makes you laugh? How do you prefer Mm -hmm. to learn? Written, visual, audio, you know, whatever. And I'd show these to parents and they'd be like, I didn't even know he liked this, you know? (laughs) And it's because sometimes I truly think one of the biggest, yo, you know what's a big turn off for me is when people don't like either young adults or kids like they're like Mm -hmm. kids are crazy or teenagers are terrible it's because you just don't know how to talk to them it's truly because you're not interacting with them right no people no and and you know i was on a podcast where a comic asked me like oh how come when i go oh used to teach in bushwick or i used to teach in best side you used to teach in best side how come every time like this comic who's never taught before goes how come every time i get on the l train there's a bunch of kids and it's like one one o'clock and i know they should be in school and they're not and i was like well why don't you ask the school why school isn't interesting enough to get those kids to go in yes yeah right why don't they want to come in Yes. Uh, and, and like the guy was like, well, I guess you're right. And I'm like, no, like truly, like you don't ask a student why they're not in school. Like school is dope when you have to yes. understand, like when a school hits the sweet spot, kids will complain. Yeah, of course. Uh, homework, uh, math. Uh. Right. But they get to see their friends. They get to yes. show, you know, like <laughs> they, get, they get to use shit. Like, yeah, I have VR in my classroom right now. You know, like, yeah, they get they get. If, you know, we need to make school lunch better, definitely, and school breakfast. But, like, I remember finding out that some of my students were like, yeah, no, the only only meals I eat are at school every day. Yes. You know? Like, school has value. Kids should be wanting to come to school. So if they're not coming to school, that's on the school. That's on the system. We should – school should be more – like, kids should be in school for more than we have to be. Yes, Yes. You know, absolutely. Um, 
Before we wrap up, just because this is a question I always ask, because this has been awesome going off the rails on teaching and schools and system overhaul. I feel like we could do 25 episodes. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I do want to know, just ask everybody, is best, worst, and weirdest, your school experiences, what was the best, worst, and weirdest part of you going to school? Me not working. It could be memories. It could be experiences. It could be. So me as a young adult in school. Yes. Okay. Go as young as you want. Young adult, young person. So I just, before this, I just want to tell you very quickly the best part of teaching. And I'll keep it short. My best memory teaching is that um, I have a nephew's on the autism spectrum, and he's the reason why I went to grad school to work in special education. And Mm -hmm. I worked with students on the autism spectrum, but I never worked in a school that had wheelchairs and our students who were uh, like had physical disabilities. Okay. And then I did my my uh, the last time I worked in a school and I had students who um, you have to understand they're in high school because it's going to be hard for people to understand who don't teach. They are mm-hmm. high school age, but cognitively they are um, maybe two to four years old. Okay. And they would be in wheelchairs. And when um, I started working at that school, all of the people were like, oh, you're going to work with these type of students. It's going to be incredibly difficult and you're going to hate it. They drool. They need their feeding tubes changed. And one of my favorite things of that like year that I spent there is like, I don't even bet. And I like now I see any any ability, any level like of of and this goes for adults i see a person in a wheelchair and i just approach them with a good morning or hey how are you just like anybody else and that is something that like i'm like super proud of because i think people are easily overwhelmed when they see someone with a physical disability they're like overwhelmed by the idea and they get nervous you know like in general like you see this when someone's in a motorized scooter you know people get like nervous and like absolutely to just kind of like have enough experience with them Oh, man, those kids are awesome, by the way. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) Like, people were like, you're going to teach kids in high school, and they're going to have the minds of babies, and you're going to hate it. And I, like, I loved it. It was wonderful. All kids deserve a good education. Fiend. Okay, so back to me. Like, maybe you would hate it, you know? Yes. Don't put that on me. But also, like, don't knock it till you try it. And honestly, if I could encourage people to do anything, it would be to volunteer as much as possible with um the type of, you know, any background you don't have experience with, like if you have the time to volunteer or just engage with them, it takes away, like, that's all it, all that matters. Even like culturally, you know, when kids are like, oh, I don't like insert race here because my parents say we don't like them. They yeah. have a popcorn party or a pizza party with everybody of all the races. They cool with everybody. <laughs> everybody. You're so right. <laughs> it goes away. But all right. Yes. So let's go back. So best, worst, weirdest. Yes, best person, weirdest. My best experience in school ever, I would say, was I got to uh, do an oil painting show. So I had a gallery show, like uh, my mm-hmm. senior year of high school, because I went to a specialized high school. And, uh, you know, years later, I would meet like artists who, that's like their dream you know what I mean? Like, and I I got that because like my teachers helped me do that. You know, I had like 12, like, I think I had like eight or 12 pieces up and like, 
it was we had a little gallery opening. There was a gallery in the school. We opened it at night. It was a whole thing. Very so that cool. was like really cool. It felt like just like a true gallery opening, probably right. Yes, and what was crazy is that in hindsight, at the time, I didn't value it. I valued it, but I I wish I you know you know never looked backwards because there's no like you can learn from it, but right. like. It's crazy because when you're in high school, you're like, oh, well, I'll definitely do this again. Like, no, sometimes you don't do those things again. So, like, enjoy the things right. that you're experiencing at the time that you're doing them. Uh, yeah. Worst. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a worst, not because I didn't have them, but maybe because I, like, locked them up and threw them in the ocean, those memories. But I'm trying to think <laughs> very quickly. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you, um, one time I, I want to say fourth grade. I was, you know, pencils down, you know, that whole thing. We were talking about the people who micromanage. I had a very, I had a very pencils down teacher. um, And uh, they said pencils down. And I was so excited to finish. I was working on a card. We were like sending cards uh, to like a hospital, I believe. And this teacher got really mad, picked up my crayons and flung them out the open window. Holy shit. Yep. And I wept like in front of everyone. It like startled me so much and like mm-hmm. just like berated me in front of everyone. And that like I kind of the fact that I still think of that memory is like that's why you need to be really mindful as a teacher. Yes. Oh, my God. You know, those things really stay with you. You know, I've had that yeah. at worst, but like that that one whenever teachers like lost it and like, you know, some teachers I believe some adults and take get enjoyment out of watching a kid break down and that's really upsetting and sad and messed up and they shouldn't be working. Yeah. They shouldn't be working. It's just not, you can do something else. Do attendance. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You can work in the school, but somewhere else, not with the kids, (laughs) like work in the, the, like cook the lunches. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. But but you, you can't be in direct contact with the kids, man, because you are going to, you're going to create your own, their own version of Pandora's box from you. Yes. Like that shit can be traumatic, man. Like seeing a full blown adult, like lose their mind over, you know, who dropped the red crayon over here? You know, and it's about so much more, but it's like, no, you it's see Mr. So-and-so six foot two screaming at a bunch of nine year olds. Like what the fuck? Oh, I like, I remember when I was a substitute teacher, cause I started substitute teaching first. And, um, hmm. I remember once raising my voice in the classroom, like to get people like the young, this was like, I think five, fifth graders to be quiet and didn't work. And the principal had been outside and she popped the door open and she was like, seems like that didn't work. And I never rose, like I never raised my voice again. Cause I was like, wow. you're, like, y- you know, you're right. Like that doesn't work. Like, you know, yeah. it just doesn't work. <laughs> so, you know, um, definitely losing it on the kids is not the wave at all. And also stop, knock it off, get a grip. Yes. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and also 10 out of 10 times, the teacher does not feel better after that, you know? Not at all. No. Uh-uh. It's never in the history of meltdowns have you been like, man, glad I got that off my chest. I think we all grew from that. No, absolutely. And the uh, weirdest was I had a teacher in high school who was a favorite of mine. And um, 
he was like very jokey. I remember at the time, like this was like we both watched The Simpsons, so we would like like quote The Simpsons to each other. And he was definitely that teacher that was like attempting to be cool. And I remember that, and um, I remember that like one of my like friends who was like super. You all have that one like stoner jokey kid friend who is just trouble, yeah. and I, you love him to death. But he was like. <laughs> Oh man, like y'all, like would jokingly always say like, "Oh my God, he's in love with you. Y'all are dating." Ha ha ha! Like you know, and it would be mortifying. I would blush. And the right, very, right. my first year in college, hit that teacher's name appeared in the paper. He had gotten caught kissing one of his female students. Oh my god! So that was definitely the weirdest because even though. It wasn't me and it wasn't going to be me because I never picked up that vibe. We were just like, it, it always struck me after like how like I think guys are more attuned at the time. Like I was just unaware and like all my guy friends in school are like, nah, this is weird. <laughs> you know? Right, right. <laughs> Oh my god! They're like, oh no, he's he's putting the signals out there. Yeah, like this is this is not like normal, you know. Um, and you know that was just. Uh, also, another weird, and I'm sorry to go this weird, but no, no. A, a guy I knew in high school, uh, very famously, if you look it up, Washington Post mostly in the, um, in the what's that called? It's like uh, the D.C. area, the D.C. Metroplex. He was okay. a, a theater teacher. He went to my high school. He was an actor. Uh, he was a theater teacher who is locked up forever and ever because he installed a camera in their drama department changing room. Oh, my God. And that's really weird. Like, that guy's picture is in my yearbook forever. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. There's probably a couple hundred people who have his, his signature in their yearbook, hags or whatever, have oh, a good summer. Yeah, like, we were cool. Like it oh was wild. God. And when I finally, so I voraciously read the paper. So when I saw mm -hmm. it, I was like, what? And like went backwards. And when I reached out to one of my friends who was in the drama department, they were like, oh, we've known for four years. Like when he first got arrested because they kept each of the, like the art department, the drama department, the music department, you know, you keep that close little like tribe like together. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, he was one of the few success stories from our department, which was like the dream is you start your own drama department, you know? And like, right. yeah. So he was like this very well-known drama teacher who got in immense amounts of trouble because Jeez. his babysitter found the camera in their, in like in their home. And so the cops then were like, Hmm, he teaches high schools. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where else does this guy run in CCTV? Yes. So this is like such a bizarre and dark. And it, it's probably one of the few stains on like, you know, other than that, like I I went to high school with a bunch of really amazing and great people, you know? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Zilla, this has been unbelievable. Oh, thank you so much. It's been great fun. <laughs> the 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 um intersection of comedy and being a teacher is really fun to consider so thank you <laughs> it is yeah it is so fun and i i think i think teaching too is just like uh it's doing crowd work at least some of the day oh absolutely i love to tell people that like because they're always like wow you handled that heckler like the heckler pretty good and i was like man i got heckled every day for 10 years straight <laughs> you know, exactly like, and, exactly and also you know it's like a lesson plan you're set like if people start talking in the middle of your set, 
you got to consider whether or not you presented the information well enough. It's kind of like a lesson plan. It's like, man, I didn't, I didn't engage them enough, you know? Yeah, so true. Oh, my God. All right, I'm going to hit. I'm going to turn off the record here. All right. That was the episode with the wonderful Zilla. I'll tag her in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. See you next week. Please make sure you follow, subscribe, share, whatever it is you can do with your podcast platform. Please do it. I'm putting clips on YouTube every week, so please follow uh, Phil Valentine on YouTube and uh, share the show with a friend if you enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, guys. So long. I hope you like the intro and outro song as much as I do. That's done by the great Derek Alexander Smith, and we've had some awesome flyers and posters uh, these last couple of weeks done by the great Schmanks. <laughs>